You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Come with me in your Bibles. Uh, the title of my message today is Understanding the Heavenly Realms. Understanding the Heavenly Realms. And I want to, just in the few moments that we have together today, I, I want to bring some teaching. I want to bring some teaching for the last few years. And my wife will kind of echo. She's saying, hey, everybody wants to know, are you going to at any point do an end times teaching? Are you going to do an end? Are you going to teach from the book of Revelation on how we're living in the last days, the mark of the beast? You know, the rapture is a pre-trib, post-trib, you know, uh, mid-trib, you know, whatever. Let, 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 me, let me just tell you, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and uh, God bless you. If you're a pre-trib rapture, God, you know, gets us out of there so we don't get a scratch or, or a, you know, bump on our knee or anything like that. I have already personally asked God, leave me behind. Leave me behind. Heaven's forever. I don't want to miss the action. Are you kidding? Antichrist, beheading people. Like, well, what's, what's the worst that they can do? What's the worst they can do? Kill me? For, for how, how long? Jesus says, whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. My last breath here, my first, what? what? Yeah. Anyway, so, so, uh, so she's like, oh, are you going to do, are you going to do an end times teaching? And when I first got saved, there was end times teaching. You know, we had all these end time stuff that, you know, the mark of the beast is, is barcodes. Barcodes is the mark of the beast. And there's a, you know, there's a super, super computer in Sweden. It's got everyone's details on it. And, and, uh, and all this, you know, um, Henry Kissinger apparently was something to do with the Antichrist. And Jesus is coming back in 1988 because Israel was founded in 1948 as a nation again after almost 2,000 years of being scattered. And Jesus kind of has this scripture that you can kind of easily finagle to say that the generation that sees these things will by no means pass away and one generation is 40 years therefore 1988 then when it didn't happen in 1988 they said well you know generation could also be 50 years so it'll be 1998 that didn't happen they said well it's definitely going to be Y2K then Y2K didn't happen and so so here we are in you know 2021 and uh and though he tarries though he tarries let me just tell you, when Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father and tagged the Holy Ghost and said, you're it, we were in the last days. From that moment, we're in the last days. But because the Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, He has intentionally delayed things and, uh, or allowed things to, to go. The people who were in World War II, when the Nazi army was literally just plowing over nations. I guarantee if you and I went back in time, they would be convinced the second coming of Christ is imminent. They would be convinced. So today I want to talk from the book of Revelation to give you context and clarity on where we are at today. Where we're at today, the Bible is the greatest timepiece the greatest timepiece, and it's the greatest lens through which to view everything that is happening in the world. The Bible alone will give you clarity, and it'll give you context, and it'll give you understanding. So come with me. We're going to start in Luke 11, verse 2. Luke 11, verse 2, the disciples come to Jesus, and they said to Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. So Jesus says, okay, well, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
So he's teaching the disciples that, that, that your prayers are in alignment with God's original mission and intention. God's original, original mission and intention in Genesis was that His kingdom would come in the earth. The Bible says that God created man in His image and in His likeness. And then the Bible says in verse 28 of Genesis 1, And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, exercise dominion. The word dominion is where we get the word kingdom. It's the king's dominion. And he's saying to Adam, I'm the king, you're the prince. And as father and son, we're going to see my dominion established in the earth. Established in the earth. So you need to understand Psalm 8 echoes this. In Psalm 8, it tells us that What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you think of him? You made him a little lower than the angels, translated angels, Hebrew Elohim, which is always referred to God, but but the Bible translators a little lower than God, so they put a little lower than the angels. Either translation's fine, whichever one you want to do. I believe God, I believe whatever. A little lower, but you gave him dominion. You gave him authority over all the work of your hands. All the wars, all the chaos, all the strife, all the corruption, all the exploitation in the earth is for the war and the battle for that authority. God sits on the throne. The Bible says the Lord sat enthroned in the flood. When the earth was under the judgment of the flood of Noah, God's feet weren't even wet because he sat high above the circle of the earth. The Bible says he sits, he sits on a throne. But God gave dominion. God gave authority to, to man. So all authority comes from God, but not all who are in authority honor God. All authority comes from God, but not all who are in authority honor God. The Bible says, and the beast was given authority by the dragon, and he went out and made war against all authority comes from God, but not all authority honors God. And so what we see over every single nation is the the battle to fill that vacuum, fill that cavity. And that's why the Bible tells us we ought to pray for those in authority and that we need to submit to those in authority while they are submitted to the ultimate authority. But when they come out of alignment, when they step out of that alignment, that's where we are to take exception. That's where we are to say, hang on a minute. No, no, no. You, we, no, no we no longer recognize the legitimacy of your authority because you're not under the authority of heaven. You're not under God's authority. You are operating outside. You've gone rogue. You've gone maverick. Therefore, we will, we, we will not tattletale on our Jewish neighbors, 1940, and, and hand them over to the Gestapo to relocate them to brand new digs, to brand new living quarters, to brand new ghettos, only to find instead they were put on cattle trains and taken to concentration camps where they were either exterminated upon arrival or were worked to death. In, we, we do not recognize your authority. Were they in authority? Absolutely. And stupid church says, well, they're in authority. We are just meant to, no, 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 no. We are, we are meant to be discerning we are meant to recognize 
Jesus came to a centurion. The centurion's servant lied sick at home. And Jesus says, I will go to your house and, and heal your servant. He says, no, no, no. No, I am not worthy as a Roman to have you a rabbi. He had great reverence for the ministry to come under my roof. But like you, Jesus, I too am a man under authority. Because I'm under authority, the centurion says, I can command this one go and he goes and to this one come and he comes. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, not in all of Israel ever seen such great faith. This man understands kingdom things. When we see a governor who wants to make San Diego a, an abortion sanctuary city, then we recognize you are actually out of order with, with you've stepped out, from, you are no longer under God's authority. You have stepped out from under that authority. Therefore, we, when, when, when they want to make laws, when they want to remove freedoms, when they want to trample on the Constitution, the law of the land is the Constitution. When they start trampling on the Constitution, you and I have a right to opt out. We have a right to reject. We have, we have a right to right there reject and resist because we do not recognize your authority as an illegitimate authority. Can somebody say amen? So Jesus says, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how do we know in the earth where God's kingdom is and where, it's, where it isn't? Because if it says, if Jesus says, I want you to pray thy kingdom come, they will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus gives us the clue right there. In a kingdom, kingdom's not a democracy or a republic. Kingdom's a kingdom. In a kingdom, there's one vote, the king. So thy kingdom come, they will be done. You know if you're in the kingdom, it's very simple, not because you got a, an awakened, uh, awakened church t-shirt, not because you graduated from seminary, you know you're in the kingdom by whose will you do. If, you, if, if you're like, not thy will, my will be done, you're not in the kingdom. But if you're like, not my will, thy will be done, you're in the kingdom. Satan, Lucifer, was evicted from the kingdom. Not because God woke up one morning angry, not because God had a bad hair day, but because five times in Isaiah 14, Lucifer says, I will be like the most. I will exalt myself. I will sit amongst the fiery stones. I will elevate my throne above the stars of heaven. I will be worshipped like the five I wills. And so he lost his place because heaven is heaven because God's will is done. And Lucifer says, not your will, my will. He comes into the garden. The Bible says, now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field the Lord God had made. And says to the woman, has God really said you can't eat off all the trees? And Eve says, well, actually, we can eat off all the trees except that one. We're not allowed to eat of it. And Adam says, don't even touch it, baby, uh, because the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And he goes, <laughs> and you believe that. She goes, well, why would I doubt it? Uh, my husband told me, he goes, how long have you known God? Just one day, I'm only one day old. He's like, yeah. Because let me tell you, sweetheart, I've been around for millennia. I've been alive forever. I wrote the very first song. Barry Manilow. Actually, it's a song about Lucifer. 
I am music and I write the, I write the songs that make the whole world sing. I, anyway, so anyway, so, so he says, listen, let me tell you, you can't, you can't trust God. He's holding out on you. He, he knows the day you eat from that tree, you will be just like God, knowing good and evil. So he's like, what should I do? Like, go rogue, go maverick. <laughs> Live a little, take life in your own hands. So the Bible says that when she looked at the tree again, saw it was pleasant to the eyes, good for food, able to make one wife, she took and she gave to her husband also. What Adam did on that day was came into alignment with the spirit that said, not thy will, my will be done. Because when God's will was for him not to eat the tree, not to eat from the tree, but Adam took from the tree saying, not thy will, my will be done. And he ate. That's why the Bible says that God had to send a second Adam or uh, some verses call him the last Adam. And Jesus, we also find Jesus tempted in a garden. And his garden is not Eden, which means paradise. His garden is Gethsemane, Gate Shemaine, which means, uh, it, it literally means place of crushing or olive press. It's where they crush the olives to bring forth the anointing oil. And three times Jesus there prays and he says, my father, if it is possible for this cup to pass by without me drinking it, please, nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Three times Jesus prayed, he could see the cross. See, in front of Adam in paradise with no pressure, with no pressure, only pleasure. He looked at a tree that had stunning foliage, beautiful fruit, pleasant to the eyes, able to make one wise. And he said, not thy will, my will. And he took the fruit in front of Yeshua, in front of Jesus in Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood from his brow. Remember, remember God said to Adam, because you've done this, out of the sweat of your brow, out of toil, the earth will yield. Now the second Adam is in that toil. He's in that sweat. He's in that pressure. And he looks in front of him and he sees a tree in front of him. But the tree in front of him has no leaves. It has no comeliness. It has, there's nothing beautiful about it. It has no fruit hanging on it. God said to this to Adam and Eve about this stunning, beautiful tree in paradise. He says, don't eat it. The day that you eat of it, death will come. They're looking at it saying it's beautiful and yet it brings death. He's saying it's a death tree. Jesus is now looking at a death tree. He's looking at the death tree with no leaves, no foliage. The first Adam reached out and took the fruit with his hand. The second Adam has to give his hands. The first tree, fruit brought death. The second tree, the fruit, has to become death to give life. How does that, how does that work? What's the, what's the definition of fruit? That which hangeth on a tree. Jesus on a tree of death. The cross calls it the tree. The cross was, a, was, was the ultimate fulfillment. It was death. But Jesus hung on that tree and became the fruit. He stretched out, he gave with his hands and he became the fruit. Whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal. Whoever eats from this fruit, I am the bread of heaven. Whoever eats from this, from Jesus Christ comes everlasting life, everlasting life. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody say amen. All right, next verse. We're going to move quick. Uh, Next verse says this. uh, Matthew 11, verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Jesus is speaking, he's saying from the days of John the Baptist until this moment, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence and the violent take it by force. I intentionally pulled this scripture out because there's been a passivity that has crept into Christianity, that has crept into the church that, that somehow God is passive. He's a pacifist. He's a pacifist. And yet Jesus is here teaching a spiritual reality. If you have the NIV, the nearly inspired version, it says, it says, uh, it says from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. The, the Greek word there is biaste. Biaste means to seize by force, to, to, to aggressively advance. So Jesus is saying that, that, that in the heavenly realm, in the heavenly realm, the, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. When we see devastation, destruction, exploitation, when, when we see corruption in governments and the poverty of the people, what we have to understand is a, a sad reality that Jesus has given commentary on here, that the wicked are more violent, the wicked are more forceful, the wicked are more aggressive than the righteous are. The devil, sadly, is more aggressive at destroying lives than the church is at saving lives. But you know what? Not on our watch, Bob. There's a brand new sheriff in town. Awakened church is rising and we're saying, you know what, devil? Yeah, oh, you may have been forcefully advancing. You may have destroyed previous generations. You may be right now trampling on our freedoms, trampling on our constitution. Let us tell you what, devil, we're opening a can of whoop donkey, of whoop aspect. We're gonna, I said aspect. And uh, so Jesus is teaching us the heavenly realms. I'm trying to explain to you heavenly realm things. So come with me out now to the book of Revelation. This is, the, this is the main text, main text, book of Revelation. It says, and war broke out in heaven and war broke out, where? Doesn't say it broke out in Iraq. Doesn't say it broke out in the Middle East. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Thank you, Jesus. And by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives even to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea. How many people, thank God we don't live on the earth and the... Oh, shoot. Oh, crowd, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. Uh Uh-oh. 
He's talking about us. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great fury, great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. That is the context of everything that's happening on our planet. Satan has been kicked out of heaven, cast into the earth, and he is filled with wrath. He's on a rampage. It's a numbers game for him. He's trying to, to, to deceive, to destroy as many people as he can. And the force that stands in the way is you and I, the church of Jesus Christ. When God asked us to put on the whole armor of God, he didn't ask us to put it on his fashion. What are you wearing? Armor. It's not, it's not for fashion. It's not for fashion. It's for battle. It's for battle. We are called to battle. So let me give you, let me give you three, three quick thoughts. Because, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people, they, they live with, the, they live with this, this theology. That God is sovereign, therefore everything that happens is God's will. God is sovereign, therefore everything that happens is God's will. And, and you'll hear this a lot of times when people look at the chaos in the world, they go, well, you know, God's in control. God's in control. As soon as I hear that, I know that those people that are saying that uh, have, a, have a theological deficiency. God is in control, yes, but He's not controlling God is in control, yes, but He's not controlling. Uh, if you go to an MMA fight or, or a boxing match, the, the, the referee, the umpire is in control, but He's not controlling. He's not controlling the outcome. He's not controlling the blows, the punches. He, he, he is, he, at any time, He can stop the fight. At any time, He can take a point away, a point away, a point away, a point away for a low. At any time, He can disqualify at any time. He can step in, separate the fire at any time. He is in control, but he's not controlling. Don't confuse in control with controlling. God was not, God was, God was, God was not out of control. God was not napping during World War II. Yeah, we, we, we saw that the maniacal agenda of the final solution to genocide the entire Jewish race, the people of God, under an antichrist spirit. But, but at that time, the righteous arose, America rose. We're celebrating 20 years of 911. Let me just say to you why America is great. Why America is great. Why she is great. In the preamble of our Constitution, the preamble of our constitution, it says, in order to form a more perfect union, a more perfect union. In other words, the founding fathers realized there were principles that they had seen, studied, that were proven over time that, that were God, biblical, foundational principles that bring the perfecting. The Bible talks about, you know, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher are there for the equipping of the saints till we all come to the fullness or the perfection of Jesus Christ. So God takes us from blemished and jacked up and messed up and the Holy Spirit, Espiritu Santo, is working to present us without spot, without blemish before the Father. 
which means that I began with blemish. I, I, I began with some dysfunction. I began with transgression. I, I began with some embarrassing. I began with some shameful things, but I'm moving towards that. The wicked, Satan, who was the accuser, who accused them day and night, points back and says, no, you're disqualified because you were. But let's have, let's have a look. Well, the founding fathers had slaves. You know, they, Thomas Jefferson had, you know, he owned slaves. Therefore, we should get rid of anything he said and the Constitution included. But when he wrote, all men are created equal, when he's, before the ink was dry, he already set into motion a more perfect union that we would move from a time where it was a global, it was globally practiced. But he said, not on this land. On this land, the day will come where people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Interesting, Martin Luther King said that's the dream that he has, that people will be judged not by the, the color of their skin, but the con he, he made a he, he wrote a decree that would bring a death knell to that mindset to we, we move away from oppression towards, we move away from vice towards, we move away from slavery towards. We are, we are not where we used to be. Somebody say amen. But the wicked always try to point out. So on 9-11, when the, when the towers came down, friends of ours who were living in New York at that time said it was chaos, it was pandemonium. There was a panic and there was a fear in the city and people were running from collapsing buildings. They were running from collapsing buildings as they were running from collapsing buildings, as evil attacked America on American soil that day, there was also another group of people called first responders. And while people were running from the collapsing towers, these people were running to. They were running into the World Trade Center. They were running up the stairs because the elevators weren't working. They were running up flights of stairs because they knew there were people trapped on the upper floors and they knew that their job, their assignment was to try to rescue those people. As everyone is running away from danger, they were running into danger. Jesus in John 16, 7 says, Greater love hath no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friend. These people weren't just laying down their lives for their friends. They were laying their lives down for complete strangers. Jesus said the Spirit of Christ is one that will lay down their life for other people. That's why America is great because the Spirit of America is the Spirit of Christ. And the reason we see this warfare, the reason we see this evil is because this evil is trying to extract Christ Extract God from the fabric because they know that America will not fold. America will not fail while Christ is the centerpiece. That's why they're doing everything to take Bible out of school, prayer out of school. They're trying to eradicate. That's why they're calling the Christian nationalist is the biggest threat to America. No, the Christian nationalist is the, is the foundation of what makes America great. We love our God and we love our country. Bravery, valor, and courage is what makes America great. America is the first to fight battles in other nations, deposing dictator after dictator, despot after despot with nothing in return. Her sons and daughters have perished on foreign soils, come home in coffins, folded flags given to parents. 
because she's the first to go and bring liberty. We don't, we don't go to those nations and conquer them and, and make them colonies. We go there and we set them free and we try to help them with democracy. I was born in Germany and after World War II, America spent from her budget, from her treasure to rebuild my nation, even though it was my nation, Germany, that started the freaking war. And yet America comes alongside the people who are victims of a rogue government. America is great because she is good. Alexander the Tocqueville came to study America, French philosopher. And he said, I look for America's greatness in her harbors. It wasn't there. He said, I look for it in her commerce. It wasn't there. He says, I thought America's greatness must be in her infrastructures and her cities. He said, but I was aghast, it wasn't there. He says, and then I went into her churches. He says, and when I, when I saw her pulpits, unlike the pulpits of Europe, her pulpits were aflame with righteousness and passion. He says, I realized, I realized where her greatness lies. America's greatness lies in her pulpits because America is good. The reason she is great is because should she cease being good, she'll cease being great. They're trying, to, they're trying to corrupt and defile and pervert our children. They're trying to corrupt and defile our, our, our putting smart and pornography and vice everywhere, mandating it. Because the devil knows if, I, if he can defile America, she'll fall. But there's a new generation. Come on, there's a new sheriff in town. Somebody say amen. All right, I gotta, I gotta keep moving. I'm, I'm, I'm in hot water right now, all right? I'm gonna give you three quick keys. Number one, we war in the heavenly realm. We war in the heavenly realm. We war in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our, our fight is not against people. Our fight is not against people. Now in saying that, we're a vic, you know, we, are, we are right now recalling Newsom. But I thought you said our wrestle's not against flesh and blood. It's not. We recognize that spirits seek power and they will operate through. The Bible says that Satan entered Judas. Satan entered Judas and he immediately went out to betray Jesus. So we see that these spirits look for, and so our job, and who, who, does, who does Satan enter? It's very simple. If, if Christ isn't on the throne of your heart, the devil sees vacancy. I'm not sure if you've ever been driving late at night and you're like, oh man, I'm not gonna make it home. We, need to, we probably need to stay in a hotel or motel. So you're driving, you see the no vacancy, no vacancy. No. Oh my gosh, vacancy. The devil does that with humans. He looks, no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy, no, no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy. And what he's looking for, vacancy. And so he goes in there. When somebody rejects God, when somebody doesn't want God, not thy will, my will be done, it's just a big vacancy sign. So Satan knows he can, remember in the matrix? Remember in the matrix? I could... <laughs> Mr. Anderson, seems you've been living two lives. One of these lives has a future, the other does not. In one of these lives, you go by the name of Thomas A. Anderson, a respectable software. You pay your taxes and help your landlady take out her garbage. And the other, you go by the alias of Neo, a software hacker that's broken practically. Anyway, and so, so he's, looking, he's looking for entrance. So, so we battle in the heavenly realm. Number two, number two, 
from heaven to earth. From heaven to earth. Everything, everything must shift first in the heavens and then it happens in the earth. Jesus says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, the, the, the climate of the heavenlies, the climate of the spirit realm determines the atmosphere of the natural realm. The Bible says, when the wicked are in authority, the people groan. But when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. In other words, it's the spiritual climate over a city that determines the welfare, the peace, and the prosperity of the city. That's why Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven because he's trying to tell us you're going to operate in dual dual dimensions the earth the animals were made like you Adam from the dust but I didn't breathe my spirit into them the Bible says with the breath of God's mouth he breathes into Adam Adam becomes a living being the Bible says with the breath of God's mouth he created the angels the angels are celestial they occupy the celestial realm the animals are terrestrial they operate occupy the terrestrial realm but Adam was made from the ground but has access to heaven Jesus the Bible says when Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism the Holy Spirit alighted upon him and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the death he did all of the miracles through the Spirit because man you and I are meant to 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 rule on the earth but the way that we do that we occupy and we war in the heavenly realm we are called to take down principalities and powers in the heavenly realm just Does that make sense? So in the book of Daniel 10, Daniel chapter 10, Daniel has been praying because there were 70 years of captivity prophesied by Jeremiah. Now it looks like the prophecies failed because three or four years into rebuilding, according to Jeremiah's prophetic word, the the Jerusalem, the, the, the temple and everything, everything gets halted because of three bad actors. Gershom the Arab, uh, Tobiah the Ammonite. Three, three bad actors, they, they, they come in and they disrupt everything. They write letters to the king, King Darius, and say, King Darius, we just wanna remind you. I'm not sure if you study the history of these Jewish people, but they don't, they don't worship your gods and they don't give honour to men. If you let them, re- they will take all their tribute away from you. They will be rebellious. They've had wars, study the history. And Darius is like, man, I don't wanna fund rebellion. So he shuts everything down. Daniel's like, man, I, Jeremiah prophesied. Kim Clement prophesied two terms and it's like the prophecies taken ahead Paul even writes where there are prophecies they will fail and they only fail in the absence of a warfaring church so Daniel prays and then he adds to his prayer fasting that's why the next three more days we're doing prayer and fasting because this kind only comes out through prayer and a spirit that wants to destroy the emerging generation only comes out through prayer and fasting the Bible says the angel comes to Daniel and says, Oh, greatly, oh, greatly beloved. On the very first day you humbled yourself to pray, your prayer was heard in heaven and I was dispatched. I was sent in response to your prayer. However, I was blocked. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. But Daniel, because you didn't quit, because you didn't back up and because you didn't let up, but added, you doubled down and added prayer and fasting. Michael, the great prince, the great protector of your people, he was also dispatched. And he went to war with the 
king of Persia so that I was able to come through. And now, Daniel, I must tell you things that are to happen. And when I am gone, the prince of Greece will come. This is some 50 to 70 years before Alexander the Great with the Grecian Grecian Empire would march across and, and sack and devour every single city that stood in its way, every single nation that stood in its way. 50 to 70 years before, because things happened first in the Spirit. The great tragedy is, Gabriel said, I, I was sent in response to your words, but I was left alone. In other words, no one else was praying. That's why I have a problem with, you know, the sovereignty of God, case Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be, you know, whatever God wants will just happen. So you're not, our prayers are ineffective. Our prayers are irrelevant. I don't believe that. John Wesley said, God does nothing except in response to prayer. We're a praying church because we understand that prayer shifts things. Prayer moves things. Whatever we bind on earth, bound in heaven. Devil, we bind you. We bind you over California. If we don't fight for San Diego, the devil's will will be done. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the heaven suffers violence. It's just who wants it more. I'm telling you, the devil has an agenda to destroy our city. The devil has an agenda to destroy our young people. The devil has an agenda to take away your freedoms and bring you into bondage. But we're here to call you to action, to call you to warfare, to put on the whole armour of God and go and take down the enemy. The last Scripture, last Scripture. In Luke eleven twenty, 20, Jesus says, If I cast out demons by the finger of God, therefore the kingdom of God has come upon you. He says, When a strong man fully armed guards his palace, his goods are in peace. But when one stronger than he comes, he must first overpower the strong man, take away his armour from which he trusted, and then he's able to plunder his goods. You know who we are? We are the ones that identify and then defeat the strong man. We identify and defeat the strong man. Over Chula Vista, East Lake, South Bay, there's a strong man. A strong man is a demonic spirit. How do, they get, how do they get authority, Colin? The Bible says, because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. I know I'm going just, just a little bit over, but just try and hang, with, hang in with me for a minute. Jesus said it this way. He says, where, where, where the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. And a carcass to a Jew, the word carcass means defiled, unclean, decomposing, dead, symbolic of sin. It says, where a carcass is, there the vultures gather. Because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. Satan sets up sin centers so that he can rule over those regions legally. In God's legal system, those demons are allowed to occupy there when God says, hey, I love San Diego. They say, hey, whoa, 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 not too fast, God. These people, they, they reject your law. They reject, this is a strip club and you said thou shalt not commit adultery. This is an abortion clinic and you say thou shalt not kill. They reject your laws. Therefore, we have legal right to be here. And ex But our job as the church is thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We recognize the principalities, powers, the thrones and dominions. And we've been given authority in the heavenly realm to shabradah, to bind those things and to defeat them and cast them down. To identify over San Diego, there's a strong man. Over East County, there's a strong man. Over each region, there's a strong man. Our job when we pray, we're not just praying kind of like little pies. We're praying warfare. We're praying to take down. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, I've got to finish. I've got to finish. Many years ago, I was in, uh, in, in a place in Australia called Newcastle. I was in Bible College, second year student. We did an outreach in Newcastle High School and we had such an impact that one of the, the teachers said, listen, would you come back and we'll, we'll let you do a full assembly. 
And, uh, and I knew that doing a full assembly in a public high school, there was gonna be some warfare. So I decided I, I didn't wanna fail at my opportunity in this invitation, so I did a three-day fast. I was staying at my brother-in-law's home. My brother-in-law was a pilot and he had uh, a three-bedroom condo, maybe five minutes, seven minutes drive from the school. It was the third day of the fast. It was the night before that I was to preach in this morning assembly in the public school. And I wake up in the middle of the night, maybe 3 a.m. and fear is running up and down through my body. I open my eyes and I can't breathe. Something is choking me. And the only way I can describe it was there was a, a, a dark being on top of me and it was like it was sucking the life force out of my lungs. That's the only way I can describe it. And I knew that then that it was a demonic presence. What I didn't realize, it was the strong man over that territory. And so I tried to rebuke it because I know that you can rebuke them in the name of Jesus, but I couldn't get, I could not get the words out. But how many people thank God for the Holy Ghost? The Holy Spirit is like, Jurgs, pray in tongues. And I'm like, oh, God bless your Holy Spirit. That's awesome. Yeah, nah, I got to use the name Jesus, but thanks. And, and I couldn't get it out. And he's like, Jurgs, pray in tongues. I'm like, Holy Spirit, you got to use the name Jesus. You should know that. And, uh, and then finally the Holy Spirit's like, oh, myself. Pray in tongues power and I realized oh he's right so I start and I could feel it lifting up and I said in the name of Jesus and I promise you it went like that it was just the whole atmosphere changed and like any man of God I got up and turned the lights on immediately I run into Maddie. My friend Maddie was with me, and I run into his room, and he's like fast asleep, snoring. I'm like, "Man, did you feel?" He's like, oh. And uh, the next day in the school, there was maybe 600 students in the assembly. 400. It was almost every hand went up, and about seven or eight of the faculty came to Christ. The Bible says this. It says about David. I've got to finish on this. It says this about David. It says, "And the Philistines came no more into Israel." all throughout David's reign. In fact, God gave David uh, Gath, Ekron, Beth Shemesh. He, he took, he took the, the capitals and the cities from the Philistines. He, he diminished the territory of Philistia and increased the territory of Israel. Why is that? Because David took down their strong man. When did he do that? When he was 16. Bible says, then a champion went out from Gath. Goliath was the strong man. And with five stone, uh, five smooth stones and a sling, he takes down the strong man. Therefore, he had authority over that region. Our job, our assignment is to understand the heavenly realms. Listen, let me just, I know I'm over time and he's already doing this. All right, I need to tell you this, over your family, over my family, what I didn't realize. See, I had no control what my parents did with, with their walk with God. I had no control what my grandparents did. I had no comparing what my great-grandparents did. Some of them were into witchcraft, into palm reading. So when I got saved, I wondered why there was these clouds or these blockages. But when I began to understand 
the heavenly realms. I began to understand that God has seated us in heavenly places, far above every principality, power, throne and dominion. That I don't have to, so I can go and I can take those strong men and pull them down. Some of us, there are strong men of sickness, disease, diabetes, heart issue, cancer. You don't have to live with it. You don't have to coexist with it. Some of us, it's infidelity, adultery, perversion, alcoholism, drug addiction. And it's a strong man because of rebellion against God from previous generations. God visits the iniquity to the fourth generation. Why would He do that? Why would He be? Because God knows that if He was to visit on one generation, it would be too much. So God graciously spreads it out over four generations. But He gives you and I authority to pull those things down. Make a decision today. If there's something that's been hammered, have a look at your family. Man, you know, Uncle died of heart disease. Heart disease, heart disease. Man, it just runs in our family. No, no, no. It's a freaking demonic spirit. You're born again. You're redeemed from the curse. Bind that thing. Take, come on, somebody. Come on, if you believe that word today, stand to your feet. Give Jesus a praise. Come on, give Him a praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to lift your hands. I want to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. I declare right now, I serve notice over every demonic force, over every demon, every principality, every power, every unclean spirit, every spiritual curse. I declare you are broken in this house in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare, strong man, the one stronger than you is here. His name is Yeshua HaMashiach. His name is Jesus the Christ. He is stronger than you. He defeated you on the cross. Therefore, I break spirits of perversion and spirits of heart disease and spirits of cancer. And I I declare right now spirits of diabetes and spirits of depression and anxiety. You are broken and evicted from their lives right now. Get off their lives. Get off their mind. Alcoholism, drug addiction. I break your grip over their lives right now. I declare freedom flows in this house. And Father, right now, come on, just rally with me. Rally with me. Right now, we pray for San Diego. We pray for South Bay. We pray for Eastlake. We pray for Chula Vista. And we we want you to know, devil, your time is up of destroying, your time of defiling, your time of polluting, your time of perverting is up. We declare the church of Jesus Christ is rising up and we will see righteousness in our city. We will see righteousness in our schools. We will see righteousness over this territory in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, give God a great praise. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenchurch.com.